It's The Middle with Anthony Weiner on WABC. Taking a step back to look at things with a new perspective. It's The Middle with Anthony Weiner. Good afternoon, I'm Anthony Weiner, and thank you for meeting me in the middle. An hour every Saturday at 2, when we take some steps away from the hot takes of the far left and the far right and try to bring some context to the news of the week or maybe a subject that doesn't find its way into the middle of the conversation enough. So great to have you here on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Right after our show at 3 o'clock, Curtis Sliwa comes in for Left versus Right. You can hear us using the WABC Radio app with WABCRadio.com. And you can always pick this up as a podcast after the fact. It's so great to have you along today on this hot day. I know there's some competition for your attention. The Mets outplaying Atlanta. They're up 2 to nothing in the first game of a day-night doubleheader. It's been a really great week and an amazingly busy week. Um, so great to have you here. 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222 if there's stuff you want to get off your chest. You can reach me by at Rep Wiener on Twitter and Wiener, W-A-B-C at gmail.com. Rich is on the board. Izzy is taking your calls, and Kevin is on air traffic control today. So some some great things going on this week. As I mentioned, you know, the Mets are in one of those playoff-feeling-like uh, series with the Atlanta Braves. The Atlanta Braves have hung around all season, but a little bit of space, three-and-a-half games. Tough loss yesterday uh, to Juan Walker, kind of melted down a little bit before the game even Got going. We're down four nothing in the first, but today we're up to nothing in the in the first game. And I'm glad you're here with us. And um, I had a chance to take some time this week. I played hockey twice this week. Once in a once in a game that really wasn't that challenging, and once where I got my doors blown off uh, over at Chelsea Piers early on before I stabilized a little bit. Um, Keys to the City, the podcast that I do here on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Episode 5 dropped this week. You, for those of you who don't follow, we, do, we appreciate you checking it out. We do a little different. We do something a little different. We take one specific idea on how to improve the city that I come up with, and then we talk to an expert about it. And this week, we deal with the challenge of addiction and how it impacts so many other government services. It's a really good episode. Episode 5, you can download it wherever you get your podcasts. That dropped this week. We'll have another episode uh, next week, Jordan had a great week this week. Um, we had a little bit of a breakthrough with him. I think I shared with you a few weeks back that Jordan and I have been doing Wordle. And that's this game for those of you who are uninitiated where they'd say every day there's another five-letter word. Everyone around the globe competes with the, you know, trying to get the same letter, the same word. You guess letters. And one at a time it tells you if you've got the letter exactly in the right spot in the five letters or if it's somewhere else in the word. And I had this challenging, this, this challenge to my parenting, and it wasn't in any book that I could find, where Jordan was, he was cheating. Like he, uh, he would say, I got the wordle today, and it would be a word that I knew that he had no way of knowing. He's ten and a half years old. And like he once got epoxy in two guesses. <laughs> I mean, I don't think he got epoxy in two cents. And, and so I, but I had this challenge because I didn't want, I, w- I wanted to encourage him to do this a word game. If there's cause something he's going to do on his iPad, that's not bad. And it was something we were doing together. And, and, um, he would compare words with Catherine. He would like, it, w- it was like, it was working out okay. Um, but he was cheating. And so I gently was chiding him, like, you know, there's nothing wrong with trying to get it and you don't get it. And, but recently he has been sitting down and doing it sitting next to me where I see that he's clearly not. And I see what his technique is, and it's kind of devious. He just randomly types in letters until, and at a furious pace that only a ten and a half year old could do, like typing in word. And he's been doing a pretty good job. And I've also been noticing he's got a pretty his vocabulary is not for nothing. It's pretty good, and he has been getting better and better at it. And I don't think he's. I don't. I think the strategy has worked of kind of pointing out that I knew he wasn't doing it on the level, but kind of still sitting there and doing it with him. Now he's gotten very good at it. I'm really proud of him. Um, I tell you, he's growing a lot. I mean, in, in, on the physical sense, well, I mean, he's stretching out a lot, but he's growing. He's becoming a little man. He's becoming a little person like that. 
is is opinionated and is smart and is snarky and is getting a, a, like he says the sense of humor is getting more sophisticated. I'm just really proud of of him, and it's a tribute to his mom as well. I mean, he's, who's an amazing mom. Um, so it's been a great week for me and Jordan. And um, another thing that happened this week, I, I live like a lot of people do. I live in an apartment that has commercial space on on the ground floor, and like a lot of places post COVID. There's been some a lot of vacancies in places like that, and I have been waiting and thinking, what would I like to move down there? You know, what would be a good thing that wouldn't create a lot of noise, wouldn't create a lot of mess, but it's something I would use every day. And I got the opposite of everything. They just put a sign up on the door: "Coming soon, a Pilates studio." So Rich has some place to go for his Pilates, but I have no idea what that even is. Um, and so that's moving in downstairs. So that's. That's what passes for news in my life. But this has been an amazing week, and I'll tell you why. As you know, the thematic underpinning of this show, The Middle, is that we try not to just do the hot takes, that we try to listen to what the other hosts are saying all week long on this station, what people are saying elsewhere. And since we only meet once a week, to try to contextualize it in a way of trying to figure out whether there is some middle space for us to kind of agree upon or at least have a conversation. And the callers have been amazing. The feedback has been really good. But it's a challenge because, let's let's face it, we're a very partisan, divided country. Um, but this was a particularly good week for the philosophy of our show that there are times that the left and the right can get together around common sense. And as you know, I like to do numbers of the week. I've got a bunch of them this week, but they're all basically in this place of celebrating the idea that the middle, the middle held this week. The middle had some success this week. The first thing is a callback from last week where we talked at length about the PACT Act, which was this act to provide health care for veterans who had been exposed to toxic waste pits and toxic burn pits while, um, in Iraq and Afghanistan, principally, it also had some benefits added for what for the remaining Vietnam War vets who still had problems with Agent Orange. And it passed this week, 86 to 11. I tried to explain last week there was no good reason for it not to pass. I know there were some, you know, there were some who said, oh, I don't want this to be mandatory spending. I want it to be discretionary spending because if it's mandatory spending, then that means that anyone who gets sick gets the benefit. Yeah, that's exactly right. Not a single change was made to the bill. I think that the people that were raising the objection finally heard from their constituents and it passed overwhelmingly 86 to 11. So veterans are going to get the care that they deserve. And that's a, a big win and a good thing. And when it's 86 votes, that's basically the middle. That's what it means to have something that's, that is something the middle can agree upon. Secondly, there was this vote in Kansas, a very conservative Republican state. And when there was an opportunity to strip from their constitution a constitutional right for, to abortion, it was defeated, meaning that a right to abortion, a right to reproductive choice was kept in the state constitution of this very, very conservative state, and it was by over 20 points that it, that it prevailed. And to give you a sense, I picked, I, you know, I, I called someone and said, give me a couple of counties that are kind of like swing counties so I can try to figure out, you know, make this point that it was – and Johnson County – which is a suburb, a red suburb that is showing some signs of purple. 68% voted in favor of keeping this right. And this is in Kansas. And so the left and the right kind of came together. Now, just yesterday in Indiana, the legislature, not the people, the legislature took away the rights for the women in Indiana completely. But focusing on the on the things that we've succeeded on this week, on the middle, um, that was something that happened in Kansas. Something else we can all agree upon, another number, 7,627. That is how many days after September 11, 2001, that the, um, uh, uh, Iman al-Zahari was killed by our troops. He was the second in charge of al-Qaeda, had risen to number one, and Jack George W. Bush said that day on the pile, and everyone has said since, every president has said since, it might take a while, but we're gonna get you, and that's a good day that that terrorist is dead. Um, and in, in, or in related news, just two days ago, the Curie of Islamic Jihad, the second most powerful, um, terrorist organization after Hamas, um, that operates out of southern Israel was killed. And in a response, um, many missiles were fired into the south of, of Israel from, from, uh, Gaza. And almost all of them were plucked out of the air by a program called the Iron Dome program. And why do I raise that in this context? 
because both left and right legislators in Washington every year provide help and research and development and support so Israel can protect itself. Another success for the middle. Um, also, another number in the week, 42.5. That's the number of millions of dollars that Alex Jones will pay compensatory and punitive damages. We might have some people that listen to this show that believe in conspiracy theories, but it is next level of disgusting what he did to the to the parents of those Sandy Hook parents when he accused them of being part of a hoax. He defamed them, and now he's going to pay. That is something that I imagine has like 90% support in this country. I'm glad that happened. Um, and that's something, again, that the middle – the middle in this country can all agree upon, and obviously a very good day. Yesterday, as the job numbers came out, 528,000 new jobs in July. We've now gotten back all of the jobs that were lost over COVID, and unemployment is at a 50-year low. It's only 0.001% from breaking that 50-year mark. It would have been even more. So these are excellent, excellent things that I think that folks can agree upon. Now, today... In the, how, in the in the United States Senate, there is a conversation about. Oh, by the way, and I left out. There's a chip that it was a technology bill that passed with 64 votes that helped us fight back against China's growing dominance in the computer chip business. 64 64 votes, Democrats, Republicans, both. And Nancy Pelosi goes to Taiwan and gives a great big middle finger to China. And I think both left and right, you know, praised her for um, uh, for uh, for standing up to China and not letting. The Chinese tell us where our government leaders can go and can't go. But today is a threshold that I think also contains an enormous amount for the for people on both sides of the aisle. 800-848-WABC if you want to get into the conversation, 800-848-9222. But today is a vote that is going to be uh, – that is that – is, Beginning, it's like a voterama style where people offer amendments are quickly dispensed with the uh, environment deficit reduction, uh, inflation fighting bill. I don't want to oversell it. It's not everything that everyone wanted, but it does have a, a lot for people. This is not just a partisan bill. I mean, I, I you know I know it might be hard that for people to get the like for example, it requires drilling leases. In the Gulf of Mexico and Alaska, it requires them before any of the stim, any of the money can go out to subsidize clean clean energy and renewables. That has to be done. It subsidizes biofuels, which the energy industry likes, you know, for cars and planes. Um, it subsidizes electric cars. I know some people don't like that, but it also provides subsidies for people that go out and do things to make their homes more energy e- efficient. Um, and it does some things that left and right have been arguing they want to do, both sides, for the longest time. And that is giving Medicare the ability that when they go out and they're purchasing insulin, let's say, or they're purchasing a drug under Medicare for seniors, that they use the, the full weight of the, of the federal government to negotiate lower prices. And for years, both left and right have been saying they want to do this, and finally it's getting done in this bill. Not as much as we would like, they're only starting with 10 bills, but things like insulin, which are going to start right away. And it's going to, they're going to be, there's money in there so that, um, uh, people will have their drug payments capped. So if you, if you have a very expensive disease like cancer, multiple sclerosis, right now, 1.4 million Americans pay more than $2,000 a month on those drugs. That will now be capped. Okay. And then there's a 15% minimum corporate tax. That is not based on what you report to the IRS because they've all figured out ways to get around those rules, but what you report to investors. If it's in your invest, and it's only, and, but it's not for every business. It's only for people, only for businesses that have a $1 billion um, profits or more. So these are some good things. These are, I think those are, those are things, even if you don't believe in the part about subsidizing and providing incentives to businesses to get more energy electricity out of renewables. And even if you think that that the Affordable Care Act, you shouldn't subsidize people's uh, uh, payments so that the middle class can afford to, to buy health care, even if you don't like those types of things, there are other things in there that are attempts to get more votes. And those attempts, I think, makes this a more attractive bill to the middle. And I don't think that there are going to be Republican votes for this, but there should be. Because I think, again, it's kind of like the PAC Act last week. There's an enormous amount of focus on politics. And when we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about that. 
We'll also take your calls on 800-84-WABC. A little later on, we'll be hearing Curtis Lee will be coming in, and we will have some fun with the news of the day. And also, if you're interested in what's going on in the congressional races here in New York, I've got some updates for you. When we come back, I'm so grateful that you're here with us on The Middle. I'll see you on the other side. Finding new ways to make change, reaching across the aisle to work with both sides. This is The Middle with Anthony Weiner on WABC. And welcome back to the middle. Not 100% who that is that brought us back in. I I don't know if that's the Graham Parker version of it, but that's that's who we're doing today is Graham Parker and the rumor. Um, welcome back to the middle. It, look, it sounds a little like him. So the way this process works is like sometimes around, it should be like Wednesday, but I wait till the last minute. I let Kevin know like what's the, the thematic music thing going to be. And sometimes it's thematic and sometimes... You know, to, so I said, all right, well, let's do all one artist, and Graham Parker and the rumor was who, we, who I decided to do today. And so I send him three. And what I do is I send him links to the YouTube version of it, and then he does his magic. And it could be that is someone's cover of it, or it could be that's him. But but it's Graham Parker and the rumor is the artist today that we're featuring as we come back. And we're talking a little bit about the the anti the inflation fighting energy bill 800-848-WABC 800-848-9222 and we'd love to have you in on the conversation here on the middle a little bit later i mentioned as we went to break a little bit later i'm going to give you a little update on the nadler of maloney race and also that open race going on lower manhattan that um bill de blasio famously is going to come in 13th place in or something like that I want to touch briefly on an element to this that has gotten a little bit, a lot, gotten a lot of conversation because it's complicated. You know, it's called a deficit reduction bill and, and Joe Manchin, senator from West Virginia said he wouldn't sign on unless it reduced the deficit. And there's been some controversy because, you know, uh, not, uh, no, I'm sorry, the inflation, <laughs> it reduced the deficit too, but inflation, he, he said it, it wants it to be an inflation fighting bill. And so some people have asked and there's been some explanation about, well, how does any of this serve to reduce inflation? And, when you when you get these these bills, what you do is you send them to these various places where they do estimates. They're just guesses. They're basically and economists try to guess the effects of things. But here's the inflation um, you know, fighting parts of the bill. One, when you're holding down costs of drugs and health care, that reduces inflation. When you increase competition for an expensive thing like energy – and you have more diversity of res- of sources for energy, that reduces inflation. And the tax part does as well. And I'll tell you why the tax part does. Because just like the Fed is trying to tighten up the money supply to reduce the amount of money circulating because that it is too many dollars chasing uh, chasing products, the same is true that when you tax a corporation at its fair, its fair rate. And so this minimum corporate tax serves to do that. Now, there are other things in the bill that they had hoped to make it in, this carried interest tax tax uh, um, reform, which Democrat and Republican have tried to do forever, Donald Trump tried to do in 2017. This is this idea that if you're advising someone on their investments and they make $100 and you get paid based on the profits that they make, for some reason, even though you're doing it as a job, as a, as a hedge fund guy, you're not charged. It's not income tax for you at 37%. It's charged as, as capital gains at 20%. It's ridiculous. We shouldn't have any more. Democrat and Republican have agreed that that's not fair. Someone out there who's a police officer, who's a bricklayer, who's a, 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 a radio station board operator, they should not have their taxes at 35%. And then someone who makes money off an investment that someone else made, that should be, that, that, that should be taxed the same way. But that's not in there. But that's, those are some of the ways that it, um, that it, it reduces inflation theoretically. Now, the only problem with all of this is like it's not tomorrow. <laughs> it's not like you pass it tomorrow. Although there are good signs out there. Gas hit a fifty-six, a fifty-four day low yesterday. 
Um, the median price was four, lower than $4 a gallon. So there are signs that maybe things are getting a little better. But I got to tell you, between the job number, the job numbers are, are just astounding because, well, we're going to stop here and talk about recession for a while. I mean, I, I don't know how you can't have recession with 560,000 jobs in a month. I don't So we'll see. But, but there are some real reasons to be very concerned. I'll tell you another one. People's wages are not keeping up. Wage growth, real wage growth, meaning their wage increase minus inflation is in the red. So it's not like, you know, sure, more people working, and that is great. But we need to get wage growth back up by reducing inflation. That ultimately has to happen. So those are some of the things going on. Now, so again, so how does this come back to being in the middle? Because I, I think, I think that because it's a 50-50 Senate, that, you know, and because guys like Manchin and Cinema and these guys, Democrats or not, this is not the same mega bill that, that, um, that Joe Biden originally proposed, but a lot of the stuff have now been kind of brought to a place that maybe I would have liked more, maybe someone would have liked nothing, but it's kind of people are meeting in the middle a little bit more, and I think that is a a, a really good sign. So we're going to go to, go to some calls, and like I said, um, you can talk about some of the – I mean, this has been just a, a heck of a week in terms of stuff going on in Washington. And by the way, all of this, all of this, I haven't spoken to you all since – all of this is when Joe Biden has COVID, the second round of COVID. He tested negative today, thank goodness. But all of this is when he um, he has, has been been down with COVID. So even the White House couldn't do their normal victory laps over everything. But that doesn't mean that there are not some good things going on out there. So let's um, let's get, get get to some calls. Some folks have been waiting for a while. Let's first go to David in the Bronx. David, thanks for checking in on the middle today. Yes, hello. I think you're a very gifted speaker. And it's interesting that Congressional Budget Office didn't uh, score this bill, and I wonder why. But I have to rail about my grandson and his video games. I think it's the worst thing for personality. I think it's the worst thing to bring up a kid to constantly use those video games. Yeah, I I, 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 I 100% agree with you. I, I appreciate the, 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 the compliment. CBO, here's the problem. So CBO had a little bit of trouble scoring this because at this moment, the Senate parliamentarian is in the process of striking some things out of it. And it's a it's a whole conversation that we could have on the show about the different rules. Some people might be wondering, how come you only need 51 votes to pass um, to pass these provisions when we keep hearing about the filibusters because it's a process called budget reconciliation. And the parliamentarian has very the, the parliamentarian. They're the, that's the person that enforces the rules of the Senate. And they have to come up with what's allowed in under this process and what's not. Listen, here's the here's my view on video games. I 100 percent agree with David on this. 100 percent. The problem is they are a fact of life in these kids life. You know, you say you're not going to let it in. And believe me, Huma and I said the same thing. We're not going to let him have a, a lap. Our, our latest thing was not going to let him to have a laptop until after he's bar mitzvah or something like that. And the problem is all of his friends have these devices. And then to make it worse during covid. They were not only had the devices, but they were using them to learn on because out of necessity. And so it became difficult. So now it is a, um, it is, it is a constant, constant battle. And some are worse than others, I have to say. He plays, he used to play, doesn't play as much anymore. He used to play Fortnite, my son. He would get off that game. He would be a complete jerk. He would be so amped up. It's, it's, there's no way. Um, there's no way that we would, if we had to choose, we would have let him, um, we would have, uh, um, we would have let him, him kind of start on this. But unfortunately, it's easier said than done. George in Rockland County, welcome back, my friend. How are you doing? Oh, doing good. Thanks for taking my call. So listen, it's something that uh, just now in use, not so much here, uh, but overseas. Uh, you probably you actually mentioned it, okay? Israel has right now an operation, military operation in Gaza against the Iranian-backed terror organization here. And I would, I'm really curious about your take about it, opinion, or anything you'd like to uh, talk about. Yeah, well, I appreciate it, George, and thank you for calling again. Call us back, call us back again. So, you know, for the uninitiated, what Israel faces is in the north, out of Lebanon and Syria. They're challenged by a terrorist organization called Hezbollah. That's on their north. On their south is in Gaza, um, is Hamas, but it's not just Hamas. I mean, part of the problem when people say, oh, there should be a two-state solution to negotiate peace, the problem is with whom do you negotiate it? Because 
it is not at all clear that anyone really speaks for the people of of Gaza. And if, for example, if tomorrow Egypt said, we'll take control of Gaza and and we'll make the Palestinians our citizens, or if Jordan would do it, but no one wants no one wants the Palestinians, truth be told. But out of the Palestinian terror, out of out of Gaza, um, Hamas, who is a terrorist organization that attacks from the south, um, there's another one called Islamic Jihad, and they and Hamas frequently don't work together. Sometimes they do, and they they have been threatening attacks increasingly. And Israel took a preemptive strike. They had intelligence on where one of uh, where the, the uh, one of the uh, the the leaders of Islamic Jihad was, and they did. What we would do in New York if if we heard the governor of New Jersey was getting ready to attack us, we would defend ourselves. And this is a good reminder. It's a good reminder that people who advocate for the notion of a two-state solution, and it always is, oh, let's just go back to the 1967 borders. Well, that's easy said. But imagine if today Israel was dealing with even the smaller borders that they have and had to defend themselves against an organization like like Islamic Jihad that is raining missiles on on into Israeli territory right now and thank goodness that Israel has the defenses that Israel has this technology called the Iron Dome which is a technology basically that shoots missiles with missiles and we've helped them support we've helped them as in a bipartisan way has helped them um has helped them uh, support the Iron Dome it's just a good reminder that when people say, you know, if, you know, this is, this is a political season now. Ask someone who's running for office right now what their view is on Israel and, and our support for Israel. And if they say, I support the two-state solution. And by the way, in the abstract, yeah, that would be great. As a peaceful neighbor, yeah, I mean, everything ultimately, you know, sure. But today, right now, and this is what the BDS people don't, don't quite understand. Who is the other state? You have a terrorist organization in Hamas. You have a terrorist organization, Islamic Jihad, in the, in, in in Gaza. You have Hezbollah in 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 the north. Who who exactly is this so-called state? You think it should be? And all and is what Israel is doing is defending itself every day. And oh, by the way, while it's defending itself, it's also doing its best to take care of the economic needs of the people in Gaza. It's doing the best. It provides resources to 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 for the security of of Gaza and and try you know. But but you know. When people say, oh, just negotiate a deal, easier said than done. And I'm really glad that when President Biden just went there, he didn't set foot in the territories and didn't say, you know, do this song and dance about both sides should just learn to get along. But thank you very much uh, for for, uh, calling, George. Let's go to Carolyn in Long Island. Hi, Carolyn. Thank you for joining us on The Middle. Hi, uh, Anthony. This is uh, Carol again. Um, I just want to mention to you that it seems to be that nobody understands why Joe Manchin's finally caved in and signed the bill. I have the answer. Go ahead. Oh, okay. In the bill, if you look it up, Schumer put in that his wife gets a billion dollars for her commission. Whose wife does? Joe Manchin's wife does. I don't know anything about that. What commission? She's in that, if you look it up, she's a big thing with the Appalachian Commission and stuff. So a billion dollars of that money is going to his wife. I don't know. I, I mean, that could be, but but I'll tell you what's on the paper in the bill that makes more sense than what 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 he said. And thank you, Kara, for calling. I'll I'll actually check on that. I'll try to have an update for you on on the next show to so I, I can flesh that out a little. But here's what Manchin said. Manchin said he wanted to make sure that there was more domestic production of energy, and so he wanted drilling leases in the Gulf and in Alaska as a condition of him signing on. He also asked for a vote on a pipeline that he has in West Virginia. It would have to be in a separate bill. He asked for a commitment on that. And he also um, wanted the incentives. He wanted some of the in- – in 98 wanted incentives for production of electricity uh, – no, for carbon capture research that would go to coal plants. So, I mean, look, yeah, it's an imperfect thing. People get their trade-offs. I hadn't heard anything about about his – about his wife getting it, uh, getting it. And before we go to the break, let's hear from Deborah in New Jersey. Deborah, thanks for checking in on the middle. Uh, hi, Anthony. Uh, you must have some really good album collection, do you? I do. Some really good taste in music. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Thank you. I, I, I appreciate that. What, what, are, are you a um, Grand Parker like person? No, no. Do you, I, I wanted to know, do you like Gentle Giant and Caravan? I will, I, Gentle Giant and Caravan, groups? I will look them both up. 
Okay. Thank you so much. You're very we love welcome. listening to you. We look forward to you on Saturday. It's You're really, really it's, a gem. It's nice. It's nice of you to say, Deborah. I, you know, I tell you what. I, I mean, I do have. And thanks for calling, Deborah. Call back later. I mean, I, I do have a pretty big LP collection. I'm embarrassed to admit, though, that really what I do now is when I feel like playing something, I don't play the LP. I go to the record, I pull it out, and then I go look it up on, on Amazon Music or whatever it is that I'm using. But I miss the sound of long playing records. I miss the sound of a needle on Pontyval Chloride. I, I do. Um, but I like, you know, one of the things I really look forward to is kind of thinking through what kind of music I would have on. And here at 4 o'clock... Right after um, Curtis and I do the left versus right, an amazing program that goes into the history of WABC as a as a ra- as a radio station that featured music at first. Now it's talk, it's 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 debate, and it's music, and it's common sense, and it's Graham Parker taking us out. We'll see you on the other side. to make change, reaching across the aisle to work with both sides. This is The Middle with Anthony Weiner on WABC. And welcome back to The Middle. I'm Anthony Weiner. Every Saturday from 2 to 3 here on Talk Radio 77 WABC, the most powerful AM signal in the entire United States of America. Left versus right coming up with Curtis Sliwa at 3 o'clock. We're going to talk a little bit about this interesting debate. Now, Hochul versus Adams on crime and what Lee Zeldin has to do to get his ship righted. Does seem to have a little bit of momentum. If Look, they, you know, Republicans wanted this to be about crime, and it is. And that's Graham Parker bringing us out. That's a song called Mercury Poisoning. It's a song. He, he used to be on Mercury Records early on in his career. They didn't feel that he felt they weren't supporting him very much. He wrote the song Mercury Poisoning, but it's hard to find because it's only a B-side. And um, and there are music today. I appreciate the last call. You know, I got to tell you, it's, it, is, it is truly remarkable if you think of the, the history of WABC. When I was a kid... I would listen to WABC when it was not an oldies or anything. It was just a, a rock station. It was like, I guess, pop or rock, whatever you would call it. And to listen to the evolution now to be sitting here on a Saturday afternoon um, on Talk Radio 77, John Katsimatidis had this vision for the station of kind of having the conversations we might have during the week and then on Saturday afternoon, Saturday evenings to do music, the, the classic music, um, and I think a lot of people are responding to it. The ratings are remarkable. People are really, and unlike a lot of places where AM radio is getting shut down, WABC is getting built up every single day, and I'm proud to be a small part of it. 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. Wiener, WABC at gmail.com. If you have an email, at Rep Wiener is where I can be found on on Twitter. And uh, let's go go back to the phones. Uh, Helena in New Jersey. Helena, go ahead today. Yes, thank you very much. Uh, I'd like to comment on your uh, remarks about Israel. And the... You made a remark about the BDS. I'm sure you're aware the BDS is quite active in American colleges, uh, 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 teaching, attempting to teach students that are Jewish and pro-Israel that Israel should, does, does not exist. That should not, does not exist. Second of all, you mentioned that uh, uh, did not go to any uh, uh, territories. When he was in East Jerusalem, he ordered American and Israeli flags to be taken off the car. Third of all, and you should, be, should know, that seven, tomorrow is 17 years that the Jewish settlements, not settlements, communities, communities. No, yeah, come on. They're not settlements. From the Gaza. <laughs> yeah. We're expelled from the Gaza. That's all I have to say. Well, I appreciate and it. This is, this is, this is Tisha B'Av Eve. No, I appreciate how, like, you gave me a, a lot there. So let me, let me, you're, I agree 100% with, with, is it, with Helena. Um, there is a problem with the American left. My Lonsman, with the with American youth as it relates to the narrative and understanding of the Middle East and Israel. 
And BDS, for those who are, who are unfamiliar with it, it's boycott, divest, and sanctions against Israel. They talk about Israel in terms of being an apartheid state and, 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 and say we shouldn't recognize it. It is an anti, it is, if you go just take a look at it, it is an anti-Semitic movement. It is a movement that is anti-historical. But it is not one that we can just say, oh, isn't this terrible? By the way, the number is 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. A couple of lines are open. This is something that is a real problem. And what it comes down to is when discussing the Middle East and Israel, it all comes down to where you start the conversation. If you just start the conversation on the evening news with a Palestinian teenager with a bandana wrapped around his face throwing a stone against these armed Israeli soldiers and say, oh, I see who the underdog is. It's that it's that Palestinian. If you just start the story there and end it there, the way so many conversations in our civic life are are done nowadays, or if you have a split screen of of a of a, a Palestinian kid against a guy in a suit who's an Israeli cabinet official, you say, "Oh, I, I think I understand who the underdog is." But Israel is a country, one country surrounded by twenty countries who are at some level of war with her, um, and have been since its existence. That Israel, the this notion of the Palestinians as refugees, who are they refugees from? Where did they come from? They are Jordanians. They are Egyptians. They are refugees from those countries. Those countries don't want them. Now, there is no disputing the fact that there were many different peoples that once lived in this part of the world. There's no doubt about that. That's why when in 1947 the British said, let's partition this place, let's give half to it to is to the Jews, half to the Arabs, and Israel said, yes. And it was the Arabs that said, no, we, we refuse to have an, a, a Jewish state in our neighborhood and declared war on Israel that exists to this day. So... It's anti-historical, but it doesn't mean that there's not a burden on all of us who know better to engage this conversation, have the debate, particularly young people, and particularly since this is a show called The Middle, particularly since this is an area that Democrats and Republicans overwhelmingly, both in Congress and in the public, agree upon. It is. I mean, we like to throw daggers at each other. And whether a president takes a flag off his car, I mean, look, I will say I, you know, I've made a point here of not talking about the, the, the last president very much, Donald Trump. He did what no other presidents, what other presidents have promised to do that none other have done. And that's moved the embassy, um, then moved, moved the embassy to Jerusalem. The, the, the capital of Israel is the, it, we, we put our embassies where the capital of the country is. And that one we had in Tel Aviv for the longest time. So I praise him for doing that. I think he was a very, I thought the Abraham Accords are, are, are things that should be, should be replicated and should be cheered. Um, Joe Biden, I have known him and watched him on Israel and I was a particularly hawkish member of Congress on Israel for years. He is a, a strong supporter of Israel. And these are things we agree upon, but it doesn't mean we don't have to take these conversations to things like to, to places like college campuses and to young people and to so-called progressives. If progressives care about the underdog, um, if 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 progressives care about standing up for those who have our values around speech, around religion, around gay rights, around uh, around taking care of, of 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 people who can't take care of themselves, it's a, it's it's basically a socialist state. If people care about those values, then they should stand up for the, for Israel, not for the people who are getting on on buses with with dynamite strapped to them and attacking civilians and the like. Um, and so that's just that's just, um, what what I, I have to say about that. But I am glad that uh, I had a chance to get that off off my chest. Uh, we have Larry in Brooklyn. Larry, welcome to the middle. Hi, Anthony. Listen. Let's not kid each other, okay? Because with me, you're not preaching to an intellectual inferior. There is no misunderstanding with your linesman on the left, okay, about Israel. And if even if there is, you're holding people only responsible for a, for no more than a superficial understanding, if that were the case. But that's not the case. They are trying to do evil with Israel because it's glamorous to do so. To listen to Rashida Tlaib and Elon Omar and to take after them, to take up their evil, it, it's become glamorous. And you have to decide. I don't know if you're... Really Jewish or not, but if you are, and even if you're not, 
If you're if you're if you're a supporter of Israel, you have to dis- you you cannot apologize for evil. You have to break. Who? With when it did I apologize? I did the opposite just now. You said it was misunderstanding. That's an apology for evil. There's no 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 no. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Now, no, wait, just hold on a second. I didn't say Rashida Tlaib misunderstands it. I'm saying that when you're dealing with these conversations, on I, I am giving the benefit of the doubt to these young people on college campuses, which the previous caller was saying, there's a problem on college campuses. I think the problem, college campuses where kids go to learn. And I think it is our obligation to not just say, oh, they're evil and then slam the door. I think there's a lot of people that we have to work to persuade. It's a worthy cause to do that. Yeah, but Anthony, you have to understand, there are Palestinian activists on campus that are preaching to these kids. Yes. And these kids are, sw- these kids are deciding to swallow what they say hook, line, and sinker. Hey, and Larry, not can I tell you, you know, I hear you, but what does that mean? Our obligation then is to pre- is not just to do what you're doing in this call to say they're evil and that's the end of it. I think college campuses is where we, you people like you and me, who believe strongly in these issues and who know the facts are on our side – we have to. We can't just say, "Oh, to heck with these people," and walk away. College campuses where we have to take up this fight, because look, this very week, and I really appreciate it, Larry, your, your call. This this very week, we are seeing what happens when Democrats and Republicans work together. We fund programs like the Iron Dome program. It is not. It is an obligation for us to keep this support being strong in places like Congress. Just because you have now, there are some people, and no one knows it. You know, Larry preaching to me is kind of funny. No one knows this better than I. There are people in Congress. There are people in the country. There are people in politics who are venal, who mean harm. But there are people who just don't know this stuff. That's why some of the most strongest supporters of Israel in Congress, when my years that I was there, and I was there for a while, were not the Jews that were that were representing urban areas like New York City. It's these conservative guys that came to Washington and learned up about this stuff and became real advocates on behalf of Israel when they didn't have enough for a minion in their district. And that is because we took it very seriously in new members of Congress and going to these places, educating them when they were on the campaign trail, educating them when they get to Congress, because that's what these issues require. It is not just enough to say, oh, if you don't if you're not with us and we're going to we're going to walk away and call you evil. Look, there are politicians who are wrong on this stuff and who know that they're wrong on this, who are playing politics on the other side and who want and who are anti-Semites. No doubt about it. But most of the time, college campuses, someone who's 18, 19 years old is not an anti-Semite. They're just hearing stuff that we need to push back on. This has been a great show so far. We have a, we have a few more minutes. When I get back, I'm going to tell you a little bit about some of the congressional races here in New York, some things we learned this week. They're getting close to the end. Voting starts soon. Thank you so much for being with me on The Middle. We'll see you on the other side. This is The Middle with Anthony Weiner, 77 WABC. You stop in the old cafe where you used to play pinball and look for the air raid shelter, but it's gone. And the cafe seems so small and all the gardens that... Grand Parker bring us back in on The Middle every Saturday from 2 to 3. And if you miss it, um, if you miss it on Saturday, you can always get it in the form of a podcast. It comes out almost immediately after we go off the air. Curtis coming in at 3 to 4. We're going to talk a little bit about New York politics. And you can always reach me during the week or during the show at Rep Wiener is the Twitter handle. WienerWABC at gmail.com is the email. And um, I want to give a little bit of update because we're getting close to primary season here in New York City, and there are some in, – in, well, in, in New York State, there are some interesting races all around the state. But here in New York City, we have a particularly interesting one. There is a longtime incumbent on the east side of Manhattan, Carolyn Maloney, and she is running against a longtime incumbent. They were elected actually the same year, if I'm not mistaken, on the west side, Gerald Nadler. I mean, there's a third candidate, Siraj Patel. Siraj Patel came close running against Carolyn Maloney. Every 10 years, we've gone through this a couple of times, but it's worth repeating because it's not intuitive to a lot of people. Every 10 years, we do a census, and one of the primary reasons the census is in the Constitution is to ensure the idea of one person, one vote. And in order to do that, we have to make sure that a congressperson is representing – each congressperson represents basically the same number of people. So they they redraw the districts. As much as the consternation has been about, oh, my God, redistricting really screwed up the Democrats, putting aside the partisanship of it – this district makes a lot more sense, kind of Manhattan, Manhattan from coast to coast. 
But the race, uh, the races is obviously, you know, close. Both of the major, can- the, the two incumbents both have a bunch of money. One is a leader on women's rights. The other is, uh, was, is the chair of the Judiciary Committee, also, um, very active on transportation issues. Suraj Patel representing this voice of, hey, we've had you guys for a while. Let's try something new. They had a debate this week. And the reason I'm raising it in the context of the show, The Middle, is there was one thing, there are a lot of issues they agree upon, but one issue, and this is that they agreed upon, that I was surprised at. And they were asked, what do you think about the no-cash-bail changes that were made in the state legislature? Now, mind you, Jerry Nadler, one of the most liberal members of Congress, Carolyn Maloney, pretty darn close, Suraj Patel, running from the, well, used to be from the left, now he seems like he's running to the middle a little bit. They all agreed all three of them, that there should be a dangerousness standard that judges could look at when denying uh, when denying bail, when requiring a cash bail or denying bail. And I thought that was fascinating. It was just glossed over. It is not an issue that is a federal issue. They're not going to have to vote on this in Washington. But just as a sense of where the city is now on this issue. Now, I've discussed it. As a matter of fact, when we go back to episode one, I think I talked about it. I've talked about this. This is... This is an issue, but it's not. And it's one I agree. I think they think there should be a dangerous standard too. But now everything under the sun is blamed for the no cash bail thing. I mean, let's face the the reality of the situation is is whenever the criminal justice system says the penalty that they're going to have or the thing they're going to require is money, automatically the rich have a different criminal justice system than the poor. Period. If someone says you can set a $10,000 bail and you only have $500 in your entire family savings and you're, a, or you're on the other side, you're a millionaire, that's in, that's not justice in my view. So I think that's the, that's the broad truth. But the fact that these three candidates all agreed on that, I think Gerald Nadler is going to win that race. I think you want to be an upper west side candidate. I've been saying that I said that back on John Katzen TV show a while back. I think Nadler's going to win because the Upper West Side base is bigger, plus this guy, Suraj Patel, who I don't think is going to win. I think he's draining votes from Carolyn Maloney. Also, Carolyn, I did not know this until this race, had taken some anti-vax positions back in the day, not about the contemporary concerns that we have around COVID, but back around you know the conversations around the contributing factors to autism and things like that, things that have been completely debunked by science, she seemed to have lent some support to over the years. Um, so I think Jaron Alley is going to wind up winning that race. And then in southern Manhattan, starting about 14th Street, is this w- district that goes from the southern Manhattan into Brooklyn, into Sunset Park, into Cobble Hill, Brownstone, Brooklyn, Park Slope, Windsor Terrace, Abyssal of Borough Park, Another fascinating race. Um, it seems that it is emerging that Kalina Rivera, city councilwoman from Lower Manhattan, is uh, is uh, is leading, or at least in the top tier, a guy named Goldman um, just gave himself a million dollars. Yes, if you're thinking you mean Goldman Sachs, yes, that one of those Goldman. And my view is that rich people or people that have a bunch of money, when they put money into their own campaigns, they don't put more than they need. So I think if he's putting a million dollars in, he thinks he needs a million dollars. And it is today, August 6th. This is going on. Early voting is starting in a matter of weeks. The election, I think, is on the 28th. So, um, uh, I, you know, she, and she has staked out, uh, Rivera staked out a position, I think, of ostentatiously not being a NIMBY person, trying to make tough decisions. I think she's done a pretty good job on that. This guy, Mondaire Jones, you might have read and heard about him. He is someone that represented up, upstate New York. And I'm a New Yorker. Everything above Westchester looks like upstate to me. He he was redistricted. He decided to run in this open seat in New in in in, in Manhattan and in Brooklyn. I, I, I mean, he seems like a he seems like he's a good congressman. I don't think he's going to win. I think ultimately, in a race like this, when there are so many quality candidates who are from the district, I don't think it's a, a necessarily a deal breaker that you're not. But I certainly think when there are so many good candidates who are. Um, I think it becomes a real difficult time. And who, and as I mentioned, Bill de Blasio has already dropped out. He will still be on the ballot. Um, but he is not going to, uh, to be the congressperson. I just, you know, I tell you, both these two races I've described today, they are the last remaining places maybe in America that the New York Times endorsement is a really big deal. And, um, because it's a hyper, both are highly educated, left-leaning districts, progressive districts, that believe that the, the the New York Times is something close to their Bible, 
And the editorial page, which is, in my view, just been she's all over the map in recent years. Um, I'm pretty sure. I, I, I almost want to say that in 2016, they didn't. No, in 2020, they didn't endorse for president or they endorsed two candidates. And they did something wacky. Um, but it's a big deal. So if you see that the New York Times endorsed one, endorsed in these races, it might be enough to put them, uh, to put them over the top. We have time just for a couple of very brief calls. So let's say some people have been waiting and I appreciate you doing that. Vincent and Tom's River, thank you so much for calling in the middle today. Yeah. Hi there, Anthony. Anyway, um, on that recession business, I understand they have a formula to come up with recession and they're talking about unemployment, employment and whatnot. But inflation is the key factor, what it all counts on. And they go by the amount of money that's out there, that the, that the government says is out there. What they never factor, I never hear them factor, they tone on it a little bit, are the credit cards. There is a lot of money in credit cards. Most people now, most people now are starting to run out of their cash and starting just to use their credit cards. And the government does not take that into Account. They see spending is at a certain level, and that's a good thing. But when it starts coming out of credit cards, yeah. the government has no idea what the number of people have in the credit card level. Oh, well, that's they, that. Yeah, no, you're exactly. Vincent, thank you very much, and I, and I appreciate the call. Vincent makes a very good point. That it, not that we don't know that when, when we talk, when we talk about national, when we talk about national debt, we talk about the amount of money the government borrows. Deficits every year, national debt. But there are numbers for indebtedness, and people are people are starting to starting to be concerned about their spending. Yes, as much as the good news came out this week about jobs, the consumer confidence numbers, meaning people who say they are spending because they think there are good times ahead, is in the toilet. Really, really concerning. And if you and if you're one of the people that think, okay, we'll go recession or not, I have to tell you, I don't know what the obsession. Who cares what you call it? The average American. Inflation is eating away at their wages, but corporations and businesses are hiring like mad and that, and that we are still coming back and it's to the point we're now completely back to where we were pre COVID. That is a, that is a good sign. But yeah, Vincent is not wrong. There is enormous amount of people deficit spending in their own households. There's enormous amount of debt and to some degree, uh, that's not terrible because we do want people to continue to spend, but we want them to spend less, and that's the problem. In, in a weird way, we want people to slow down their spending, and that's the only way that you bring down inflation because inflation is dollars, too many dollars, inflation teaching too few things, and that's that's ultimately what's what's going on. Listen, this has been a great conversation. We got a little bit sidetracked here talking about Israel, but that's what I love about this show. We let the callers kind of have their say. Um, when we come back at the top of the hour, left versus right with Curtis Lewa. It has been so great having you along on the middle. If you miss any part of the show, you can check back in the form of a podcast. And for those of you who care about such things, the Mets are up 3 nothing. Thank you so much for joining me on the middle. We'll see you with left versus right.